Amen. Great. Enjoyed that very much. Your Bible's turn to the book of John tonight. John chapter 6. While you're turning there, how many were here a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night when I got the chance to fill in, or Thursday night when I got a chance to fill in for pastor, and uh, nobody was here? Anybody remember that? Uh, okay, nobody remembered me. Well, maybe it wasn't a very memorable sermon, but uh, you probably remembered somewhere in the sermon I said something about stepping out and doing something for the Lord, and especially in the church, and I talked about how sometimes you have to, remember, remember the illustration about my first sermon? Uh, was on a New Year's Eve service. I, I, somehow I've got been the guy asked to do New Year's Eve services like all my life here. And uh, my, my youth pastor ripped the sermon into pieces and uh, handed us all a piece of the sermon and said, you're preaching tonight. And it was all for all of us. It was the first time we'd ever spoke. And, um, and we had about five minutes to prepare. And we each like tagged in and preached through that sermon. And it was awful. But uh, that feeling of being thrown into something, if you're not feeling that in your Christian life ever, you are not living. You're not trying. You're not doing I mean, you just have to. Now, how many of you saw me have to eat those words tonight down here? I went up to Mrs. Montoro rolling my eye. First, I rolled my eyes at Brother Andrew because uh, we didn't have somebody to interpret. And then I rolled my eyes at Mrs. Montoro, which is not the thing you should do to your pastor's wife. And I walked up to her and said, what are we going to do? And she said, it's easy. Just do it. And uh, so I had to eat those words. You, if your preacher ever gets up and demands something of you and you think, I can't believe he would expect that of us. Don't worry. God has a way of making sure that he's already learned that lesson or will be learning that lesson in the future. And so you got a perfect illustration of that tonight. I don't know if anybody noticed, but uh, I was immediately thinking of that sermon and saying, oh, here I go. Anyway, we survived. Amen. Well, uh, Miss Kelly and uh, Taylor and Hudson are home. Got a little bug in our house, so thank you for praying for them. Uh, What I want to do tonight is give you um, kind of a glimpse into what we're doing at North Brooklyn Baptist Church and how we're trying to um, orient uh, the people that are there. We have a a uh, very small group of people, people that are there for a few weeks, then they're gone, kind of in and out. Um, we've had new people. God's really blessed, uh, except for the last uh, last Sunday we had a first-time visitor, then we have a few weeks without, but for, I think it was eight weeks in a row, we had first-time visitors every Sunday. So uh, that, that's a blessing, and new people come in and go in, and people that are interested. And then, of course, I have a kind of a group of people within the community that I see on a regular basis as I go up and down the streets and I pass out tracks and I, you know, you start to see the familiar faces and uh, living in the community, uh, walking up and down Manhattan Avenue, you start to kind of get to know people. Uh, I spend a dollar on a donut uh, on Manhattan Avenue and I get more visita- good visitation out of that than I do sometimes uh, passing out tracks all day. And uh, so we have lots of people through those contexts that are interested and they keep saying, oh, I'm going to come and oh, I, I want to see a church started here, but there's just not any movement. And so what we're doing this year, and uh, not that I'm thinking it's going to move a mountain, but we just want the kind of the culture, the thinking in the church when you walk into 67 West Street and navigate your way through the hallways and step over the rats. We've had some of those lately, pray for us. Uh, one, actually, uh, Sunday morning, I was getting ready for my sermon about 7 o'clock in the morning, and I went to the restroom, and I came back, and a rat had clawed into my laptop bag and dug my my Christmas candy out of there. Can you believe that? <laughs> and, uh, so, but I just, I'm just joking with you. Well, it really did happen, but it's a nice space. There's, right now, the landlord's got to fix the rat problem. Maggie's laughing. Anyway, uh, but when you walk into 67 West Street, you go into Suite 207, we want there to be a culture and attitude that is not milling around, that is, in a sense, 
serious about what we're doing, that we're there on purpose. We're not just there because it's something to do on Sunday morning. We're not just there because the people that back home where we're from would really be happy to know we were going to church since we moved to New York City. But it needs to be more than that. It needs to be a representation about who we are and about what we believe. And we want to invite people to the Lord Jesus Christ, but not only that, but then to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ publicly, whether that be through testimony, whether that be through baptism, and and pray that we'd see some baptisms this year. I believe we're going to see our first ones this year. Uh, But that they would publicly identify with, with, with the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism and with his church. And we want that to just kind of be a theme for the year. And it's not really anything inventive on my part because it's the theme of every church every year. <laughs> it's what Jesus wants of all Christians is to identify with him publicly and then to identify with his church publicly. He doesn't want us to be monks. Amen. He wants us to have a profession, a testimony that's public, that's real. And so that's kind of our, our theme, if you will. You might call it our New Year's resolution. It's, we, we're titling it this. We believe. Very simple. We believe identifying with Christ and his church. And we're trying to bring people around the words of Peter here in John chapter six. So if you look at those words with me in John chapter six. In verse sixty nine, towards the end of the the end of the the end of the chapter there, John six sixty nine. Let's start in uh, verse sixty six. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You know, see, you see people come and go in church and you're disappointed about that. And you should. But uh, it happened in Jesus' church, too. People came. People left. People come and people go. Many of his disciples, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Will he also go away? Then Simon Peter, it would be him, right? He's always the one to kind of step up and say something, isn't he? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And here's this declaration. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve and one of you is a devil? And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Peter's declaration in verse 69 again. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe, identifying with Christ and his church. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look into your word tonight. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to to preach your word. And God, I pray that we would uh, have a willingness tonight. To, to live out our profession, to be who we say that we are. The, who we are in this room is who we really are in our lives. That our, our faith would be reexamined as we make New Year's resolutions and we would be resolved to live out our faith in 2016. Lord, for we know not what opportunities are ahead, what difficulties and trials or what opportunities for success there may be ahead of us where a real profession is going to be needed to make it through those times. And so, Lord, I pray we would consider this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. A huge crowd was gathering uh, in 1860 around Niagara Falls to see uh, one of the many of the famous tightrope walkers 
do their walk of death, if you will, and many of them did die doing it, uh, walking across Niagara Falls, uh, making the 1,000-foot trip. And there was famous one of them named uh, Bolden. Bol- <laughs> what a name, Bolden. And he, uh, he walked across uh, many, many times, 160 feet above the waters. Uh, and if you've been there and you've been on the, uh, the boat there, then you know it's really misty. And I can just imagine that rope um, being very slick and very difficult. And he would walk back and forth across and the crowds would, ooh, ah, wow. And he would be a little bit of a showman about it. And, you know, whoa, you know, and he would, he would kind of go across and really get him excited. And uh, then he would yell out to the crowd and says, do you believe I can do it again? And they would say, yes, we believe you can do it again. So he would go across the line again and then he would call out to them again. Do you believe I can come back? Do you believe I'll make it? Do you believe I'll live? Yes, we believe. And then he got to the far side again. He says, do you believe I could throw one of you on my back and carry you across? And they said, yes, we believe you could do it. But then he got back to the crowd and he picked someone out and he said, come with me right now. And the man said, oh, no, not me. You see, it's one thing to say you believe something. It's another thing to climb on the guy's back and go with him. Hopefully you wouldn't do that yourself. Mental assent is not enough. There has to be, and not even verbal assent, saying, yes, I believe. It's at, to make it real, you actually have to do it. You actually have to step up and do it. What we're talking about tonight, our New Year's resolution, not only for North Brooklyn Baptist Church in Greenpoint, but for every church everywhere in the world, is that we believe. Uh, that we want to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, that when Jesus asked Simon, are you with me, that we wouldn't turn back and go away, but we would say yes, not just with our words, but with our actions. Identifying with Christ, first of all, has to do with salvation. Salvation. To be a Christian is to identify with the gospel, that when we hear the story about the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not just saying, yes, we mentally believe, uh, you know, uh, presume it to be possible that Jesus was a real person, that he really did live and that he he was crucified. And we, we, we ascend to the story and the timeline, but that we identify with that story and say he was on that cross for me, that that is my savior on that cross. You can say an amen there. That would be fine. Amen. That he was there for me, that he died for me, that he when, he when he was buried, he was dealing with my sins and that he rose again and defeated death for my salvation. You were making a choice to identify with Christ, to have a clear commitment for some that when we talk about identifying with Christ, that's going to mean making choices in their life. That are in line with their commitment to follow Christ. That through 2016, we're going to look at the decisions we're making and we're going to say, is this something a follower of Christ would do? Just put yourself in the shoes of the 12 disciples. They really didn't get a day off, did they? They had the Savior with them all the time. Uh, So everywhere that they went, everything that they did was under constant evaluation by the Lord Jesus Christ. And something tells me, I'm reading between the lines here, but something tells me as they went about in their journeys, Jesus probably wasn't on them like a frustrated parent to a small child saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. I have a feeling there was a lot of quiet evaluation by the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think? I just, I just, just see these guys fumbling and making big mistakes all the time. And Jesus, very silently, the way God is with us sometimes, where we go and we make a big mess of things, and God is silent until just the right time to show us what it is we're doing wrong. But I could see him there uh, dealing with them in that manner. And as, as there was much uh, confusion among the disciples, as many of them who they had identified with Jesus at one point began to leave, he turns to the twelve and it's decision time. Are you going to stay with me? 
Are you going to identify with me? Is my story going to be your story? Are you going to be with me? Are you going to go away as well? And I love Peter's response. To whom should we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We don't know what's coming up in 2016, but we know this, that knowing the story of the gospel is not enough. We must choose to identify with it, to say it is our story as well. There may be circumstances that come up in this year where there's going to be difficulties, where what you believe is going to come in conflict with what's going on in your life. So the high hopes, I'm I'm sure that most people have aspirations for good things this year, that nobody's expecting doom and gloom in their life, that you are expecting your job to do well or to get better, that you are expecting your family life to continue or improve, that you're expecting to have the same amount of money or more money than you do right now. You have some reasonable expectation that your life isn't going to fall apart in 2016. And I want that for you. (laughs) I'm not wishing misery on your life. But 2016 may bring some challenges. Did 2015 bring some challenges? One of the hardest years of my life. Very difficult, 2015. 2016, we don't know what's ahead. And what we believe, what we, what we know to be true, may come in conflict with the, with the circumstances in our life. They tell the story uh, in one of the towns in Germany after World War II. They were digging through the rubble and they found an underground uh, kind of homemade bunker, if you will, under some housing, and as they brushed off the dust from the walls, they found a handwritten with chalk on the walls. Somebody had wrote this, I believe. I believe in the sun. Even this is after World War II, after the bombings in Germany, it said, I believe. I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when, when I feel it not. I believe in God, even when he is silent. So those people hunker down in those bunkers wondering, God, what are you doing? The whole world was wondering that. Understand, the world, people thought the world was getting better at that time. They, world War I is behind us. All the bad, and, and they thought things were getting better. That was the delusion going on uh, throughout the world. And yet World War II was right in front of them. And they couldn't even see it. And when it came, and when they were hunkered down like that, they're wondering, where is God? Where's this promise of... A, Celestial city of, of heaven on earth, of, a, of, of the golden age. Where is this promise that we're supposed to have? And that person had the bravery to say, I believe in God, even when he's silent. There could be some circumstances in your life in 2016 where the bombs are falling, if you will, and you're wondering, where is God in all this? Decide right now that you're going to believe. Don't decide then. It, it may be too late for you. Decide right now. God, I am going to believe in you, even when, when the circumstances are great, And when the circumstances don't make any sense, I will believe. When we talk about identifying with Christ, for others it's not going to be a commitment or a renewal of commitment to to serve the Lord. I hope that is for you tonight. But for others it's going to be a question of, should I? Should I serve the Lord? Remember who was standing amongst them when he said, are you going to go away also? Judas was standing right there. And he knew what he was going to do. He was standing right there among them. For others, the question is going to be not, should, not, um, not a commi- re- commitment to renew um, their life uh, for Christ, but should I identify with Christ? You know, Peter said, we believe and are sure. I'm guessing that means there was a time where they didn't believe and they weren't sure. Right? Does that, does that make sense? Where, now, now, listen now. I know you've had sloppy joes. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's like the hardest sermon in the world to listen to, okay? So just... just 
Just hang in there. You're almost home, okay? All right. I had a whole bunch of cups of coffee, so I'm feeling good. Amen. (laughs) People are going to ask, should I identify with Christ? Okay, I'll go to church. Fine. Okay, my coworker found out I'm going to church. Fine. Okay, great. Okay, I'll put on Facebook. I'll change my status, religion, Christian. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But is it more than that? Is it more than that? Are you really going to identify with Christ? Someone may be asking some serious questions about the faith at all. Is Jesus who he claims to be? Is, was Jesus, I looked at something on the internet, I saw that maybe Jesus wasn't even a real person. Is that true? Or why do I need salvation? People keep, pastor keeps talking about sin, they keep talking about sinners getting saved. I'm a pretty good person. Do I, do I need that? Is that something I need? Or someone may be even asking the ultimate question. Does God exist? You know, I live in a, I'm sure in your neighborhood too, but I live in a neighborhood full of people asking that question. Does God exist? And whether they know it or not, they're bold enough to ask. And they're bold enough to ask me straight to my face. Give me proof that God exists. Are you ready for that question? Are you ready for that one tonight? If your God exists, explain San Bernardino to me. If your God exists, explain this or that other horrible thing in the news. People are asking, is God real? Does God care? When we talk about identifying with Christ, we're talking about identity, who you are as a person. It's never been more easy to change your identity than it will be in 2016. That people are remaking themselves all the time. Everyone is trying to be an individual, is trying to be unique, and therefore they all turn out to be the same, right? You know what I'm talking about. Trying to be unique, trying to be an individual, trying to remake themselves. You can go online in about 20 minutes. You can create an all-new identity on social media. I like this, I like that, I follow this, I follow that, and boom, all of a sudden, you're a new person. Overnight, boom. But that's not who you are. What you say on the Internet, what, the way you dress, that, that's not who you are. See, God sees past all that. He sees past the phony. He sees what's real. We're talking about our identity. Who are you in Christ? One thing we want in our church, and I'm sure here as well, is we want to invite people to ask those questions. That when we talk about identifying with Christ, we're not saying, we're Christians, you're not. But we're saying, hey, we're Christians and we want to tell you why. Hey, we're Christians and we want to tell you about how our life has been changed by Jesus Christ. Hey, we're, 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 we're going to open up the doors and we're, we're going to let you in. And yeah, we got a bouncer at the front door just to make sure you're not a crazy person. Uh, but, you know, we're going to make sure that's the usher. I'd call him a bouncer. But, uh, you know, we're going to kind of make sure things are OK there. But we're inviting you in. We're opening our doors. Yes, we're a church and we're about God's business. And we're, we want our pastor to preach the word of God and to preach it boldly. But we want you to come in and experience this, too. We want you to come in and hear the word of God. And, and we want to take the time with you after service to, to explain and try to answer some of those tough questions and to, and to hear what your concerns are and to listen. We want it to be an invitation. We believe is, hey, we want you to believe as well. You see, there's great apologists out there and people with uh, many degrees uh, and uh, many de- uh, 
um, many years of scholarship who have studied debates and the art of persuasion and philosophy, and they understand what the atheist thinks and what the agnostic thinks and uh, what all the uh, skeptics think, and they have all the right answers. And I've read after some of them, and I'm blown away by their answers. But some of the best of them will tell you this, that the answers are really such a weak argument in comparison to a life well lived. That your testimony, you living out your Christian life, is far more persuasive than to get all the skeptics in the neighborhood together and bring in some big apologists here to give them a speech. They'll walk away and they'll, feel, they'll believe the exact same thing they always did. They'll be interested in the perspective, they'll appreciate the good speech, but they will walk away in their unbelief. The most persuasive tool you have to reach people for Jesus Christ is you living the Word of God in your life. Is them seeing not a perfect life, no, 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 seeing a changed life. Changed. That God is changing you. That something is happening in your life that is real. Not that you're joining some cult. I can remember my mom saying that, talking to one of her relative. I had just gotten saved. I was about to get baptized, and she said something to a relative on the phone. I was eavesdropping. Probably shouldn't have done that. I was 15 years old. What do you expect? And I was eavesdropping on the phone, and she said something like, well, you know, he's, he, I don't think he's joining a cult, so I guess it's okay. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about real change happening in our life. Not to, to, When someone identifies you, they don't say, hey, that's Jenny. She goes to church. But that's Jenny. She's a Christian. That the choices, the decisions she makes in her life are based on her faith. They're based, they're based on the Word of God. We're talking about saying that we're a Christian. And the theme goes on. It says identifying with Christ and His church. That when we decide to, when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation, the next thing we want to do is to identify publicly with Him. And God commands us on how we should do that. It's through baptism. Baptism is a picture, it's a symbol, it's a, it's a ritual that publicly identifies a person with Jesus Christ. It testifies to all that witness that something similar to this statement. I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. You're telling, you're telling everyone, all the witnesses there, I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ. I've been born again. I, I, just as he died and was buried and rose again, I am being baptized to testify to you all that I have died to myself. I've been buried in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been made alive by his power to walk in newness of life. It speaks to those that are born again and need to publicly identify with Christ in the church through baptism. And we're praying in North Brooklyn Baptist Church that we have some baptisms this year. Amen? Amen. I hope you're praying for that too. We want to see some people get in the water. Not because we want to get people wet. Not because we need to, you know... Put the time into this thing, all the money that was spent. Nothing like that. No, we want to see people identify with Christ publicly and to identify with his church. You know who else I'm after with that thing is this. People that I hear this all the time and it drives me crazy. Well, I'm a Christian, but, you know, you don't need to go to church to hear from God. I can hear from God in the Bible and you don't need to go to church to pray. I can pray anytime I want. You know, what we're trying to do with this is to maybe change that a little bit. That's not the right question. Do I need to go to church? Do, do I need a church? I think that that's the wrong question. And I, I, whenever I deal with somebody, especially on the street about this, I always flip it around on them and say, you know what? Instead of asking yourself, do you need a church? Ask yourself this. Does a church need you? Does a church need you? You see, when you come to a church, you have a chance to identify with Christ in a public manner. And you're putting your boots on the ground in the effort to reach the gospel 
uh, or excuse me, to reach the world with the gospel. You're saying, I am here serving God locally in this place so that we might reach the world together uh, with, um, with the gospel. That you're secure enough in Christ to be challenged weekly from God's word. Some of these tough guys, I don't need to go to church. I dare you. I dare you to sit down and let a preacher preach to you. I dare you to sit down and let somebody challenge your faith out of the word of God. You know, you're making yourself very vulnerable just by sitting there tonight. To me, you're, you're showing to me that I'm secure enough in my faith. I'm walking with God daily in my life. I'm in the word of God. I am praying. So sure, I can come and I can listen to someone preach. And if it's good, it'll feed my soul. And if it's bad, I will know because I'm, I'm dwelling in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to know that, 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 it's, that it's error if it is. won't be here, but I'm just saying, if it, if it happens. You're saying, I, I'm secure in my faith. Some of these tough guys that say they don't need church and tough, tough gals, they're not tough, in my opinion. And I try to call them out on it sometimes. It's kind of fun sitting there in Greenpoint Avenue, Manhattan Avenue, and talking to some of these guys, talking about how tough they are in their faith because they don't have to go to church. Well, I dare you to go to church. <laughs> and I usually say something just like that. And I probably sound like a young punk, but I say it anyway. Amen? But does the church need you? You're secure enough in your faith to be challenged weekly from God's word. And you're open to helping others through prayer and fellowship. I'm telling you, you have no idea. If you're sitting there tonight and you're thinking, what am I doing here? If you said hello and you shook hands and you were friendly and you made someone feel welcome, you just can't even imagine what that does for people. How much of a blessing that is. The welcoming spirit, especially of this church. I mean, this church, I mean, for me, just seems like a model. I mean, we, we went to many, many churches all over the country. And I can tell you there's some unfriendly places. There's some places where people drag themselves into church rather than being excited. I can remember my first Sunday at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, Brother George Lim walking up to me, uh, who I didn't know from Adam. And he walked right to me and said, Brother Mike, I want you to know this. I am excited to be here today. And I can't wait for Thursday night. And I just want to tell you that it is not, um, it doesn't drag on me to come here, that I'm excited to be here in church tonight. If you know Brother George, you know that's pretty much something you expect him to say. But the first person that met me said that. I want you to know that I want to be here. Do you want to be here tonight? Maybe you don't want to be here at 1120, but do you want to be here? We're, we're saying in 2016, we're just reaffirming a commitment that I want to be in church. And I, want to, I don't just want to warm my seat, but I want to be involved. I'm going to, if there's somebody I don't recognize, I'm going to walk up and I'm going to introduce myself. And I'm going to make sure they have a, a good place to sit and that they feel welcome and that they know where the bathroom is. And they, they know that there's other churches meeting in here and they're not confused. And they, feel, they just have a warmth and a welcome when they come in here. I want to be involved. And if Mrs. Montoro looks at me and says, interpret, that I'll just do it. Or you get thrown into some ministry that you won't roll your eyes, but you'll just go and you'll do it. You'll just be a helper. You'll help with all the kids that are, that are, that are ripping apart the carpet and everything downstairs. They're going crazy. And our junior church isn't like that. They're really good. They're actually pretty easy compared to some I've been to. But, uh, you know, if, if they need extra help, they need some extra hands in the nursery or whatever, they just jump in and do it. Why? Because you want to identify with Christ in his church. Because you believe. You believe in something and you're willing to let your actions match that belief. And you're doing it locally. I want to make that emphasis this year. Local ministry. We have some big shots in Christianity. Some people who are global ministers. There's no such thing. The more I look into that, the more I realize there is no global ministry. There is only local ministry. How do we reach the world? If that's our, how, how does that make sense? Jesus said, go into all the world with the gospel. Okay, so what do you do when you go into all the world? You go from where you are to somewhere else, and then locally, 
you minister, that our missionaries that we have all around the world, guess what they're doing? Exactly what we're doing. They're locally reaching people. Just serve Christ the exact same way you expect your missionary to. But they're doing it in a, lo- in a local, in, in local ministry. There is no global ministry without local ministry. I can tell you here tonight that if you're here and you're serving the Lord, you're involved in global ministry. Uh, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago in, in our church about prophecy and people, they're all into prophecy. And what's the signs of the times and what's happening next on the calendar? And, and you know, they're trying to, you know, they're, tra- they're checking their Bibles and they're connecting. Okay, that number right there, if you add it to that, minus them from that, the stock market is going to crash. You know, people, they're into that kind of stuff. You want to fulfill some prophecy? Be sure that you believe and they'll go tell somebody else. Because what Jesus wants to happen right now when it comes to prophecy is for the gospel to go into all the world. For people to be saved and baptized and identify with the local church and then to go out and do it again. That is fulfilling prophecy. What we're doing here tonight is prophetic. Amen. And we don't need to look for anything bigger. God will take care of the next step. As we're closing tonight, I like what, who, who said these words. It was Peter. <laughs> Peter spoke these words, powerful words, words that have resolve, words that have so much meaning. But he spoke them at a time when he wasn't really as far along as he thought he was. Although they were bold, he wasn't really fully into what those words meant. See, what we're talking about tonight is not arriving at some destination in 2016, but about an ongoing process and recommitting ourselves to it, an ongoing resolution not a final destination. We believe. Remember the disciples in the boat? Man, they, 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 they were charged up by what they had just seen from the ministry of Jesus Christ, and they had been given a task from him to go across the sea, and the storm came, and as expert boatmen, you thought that they would have said, ah, now here's something that we can do. He finally gave us a job that we can handle. But the storm got, so, got too big, and it brought them to the point where they were terrified, and they had to go after Jesus. They needed his help. They believed but they, didn't, they still struggled with unbelief. We're that way too. It's an ongoing process. There was a missionary uh, to the uh, Pacific Islands uh, who was uh, there many years ago, and he was uh, ministering to a group of people who their entire life was basically on the water, and they would go from small island to small island, and, and so all they knew was, was life on the water and, and making small little canoes uh, out of trees and uh, learning the way of the seas and learning how to balance their weight in those canoes and maybe you've been the un- unfortunate person to tip out of one uh, but I've <laughs> been been there myself and uh, if you know that you're on a very light craft that your weight matters a lot where you put it that your weight actually steers the boat and and having your weight in the right place is important and he was trying to um, translate the verses uh, where the Philippian jailer said what must I do to be saved and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He was having trouble translating the word believe, and he couldn't find anything in their language that would make that word make sense to them. So the way he translated it was, lean your whole weight on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. When we say we believe, we're talking about putting our entire self into what we say we believe. Putting our entire self, leaning our entire weight on the Lord Jesus Christ saying that in 2016, if there's some area in our life that's hanging off, some area in our life that isn't quite in line with our profession, bringing it in line with that profession, 
that in 2016, we want to see more people saved, more people baptized, and people added to North Brooklyn Baptist Church and Open Door Bible Baptist Church and, Lord willing, Union Baptist Church than ever before. Why do we want to do that? Because we want numbers? Because we want a kingdom? Because we want, you know, to check everything off so we can write a good prayer letter to our supporters? No, because we believe. Because we believe and are sure that he is that Christ, the Son of the living God. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Mike, I want to believe, but I'm struggling. I want to believe, but I have questions. I want to believe, but I'm unsure. Can I tell you, that's okay. You're not the first disciple to doubt. You're not the first disciple to struggle. You're not the first disciple to not know where his or her place is in the work of the kingdom. But you're never going to get there by just standing around in unbelief. You're going to have to step up. You're going to have to step up and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to identify with you this year. Lord, I, I, I put off in my life. There's some I, my coworkers. They know I go to church, but they don't, probably don't know that I'm serious about this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about going out there and saying something crazy. I'm just talking about living the life, walking the walk not just talking the talk in 2016. Why? Because we believe. Let's bow for prayer. Can I have an invitation? Okay. I'm going to have a time of invitation. God's spoken to you tonight. This is our New Year's resolution. I pray it's yours as well. So while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, so the music begins to play. can't change what happened in 2015 it's over thank god it's over for some of us thank god it's over but 2016 is a new opportunity can i tell you this a lot of people thought they were going to make it to 2016 a lot of people were so sure about it they were making plans They had everything scheduled. They had a vacation scheduled. They had a trip. This was going to be the year they do this or do that. They buy a home. They deal with this addiction that they have. I'm going to deal with it in 2016. This is not going to be a problem for me anymore. And they never made it to 2016. They thought they had time. I hope you have time. I can remember Y2K, that New Year's Eve. You remember that? We thought all of our computers were going to blow up. And I really did. I was at a watch night service, and I can remember praying and checking my watch and just wondering if something was about to happen. The world was a bit on edge. People took it quite seriously. I, I think we're okay on that tonight. But we were all asking ourselves, what if this is it? What if this is the time Jesus is coming back? Man, we, it was a silly thing to think that just because it was 2000 that it was happening. Because a more accurate thing would be any day it could happen. Any day could be the day. You know, 150 people a day die in New York City alone. Most of them have plans for what they're doing next week. Let this be the year that you 
let God deal with that problem in your life. That you get accountability. Come up to pastor, I have this problem and I, I just need to be accountable. I want to deal with it. I want God to give me some grace to get through this. This addiction, this problem. Don't, don't put it off. You really don't know how much time you have. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach. I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for your, your word. And God, I pray that we would just be resolved in 2016 to identify with you, to identify with this church, to look around and say, these are the people I'm going to serve the Lord with. And whether, whether we serve the Lord with joy or with trial, with frustrations, with difficulties, with success, I'm going to serve you with these people. I'm going to commit myself to your church, and I'm going to commit myself to serve you and to stand with these folks through 2016. Lord, thank you for your gift of the local church, that, Lord, it confounds the wisest among us. People are always looking for something else, something better, something to go around it with, something to go over it with. But yet, God, we come back to these humble little gatherings, and they are your method, your means for reaching the world with the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for this treasure. In Jesus' name, amen.